Coming up, I'll help you realize the secret to achieving more with less time. And then 92% of companies that tested a four-day work week are keeping it. We'll break this down and go deeper. Let's go. All right, so it's been uh, 15 years plus since Tim Ferriss, who I've had the privilege to interview, uh, wrote the four-hour work week. And uh, boy, it was met with, you know, a whole lot of reaction, a lot of cynicism, but then it just really went bananas, you know, sold millions and millions of copies. And and then it's been misinterpreted. It ended up getting used uh, as an example in uh, the office the wrong way. Um, And the subtitle of the book uh, really does break down what Tim was trying to do. And so I wanted to reveal it to you. His subtitle was Escape the 9 to 5, Live Anywhere, and Join the New Rich. Now, folks, that's a fan-freaking-tastic subtitle. (laughs) You're talking to hit a lot of emotions there. Escape the 9 to 5. That means I don't have to be there for a set amount of time. I get to decide. Live anywhere. I could work anywhere, which means I could live anywhere. And join the new rich. I want to be rich, baby. All right? So those three little statements in that subtitle all hit the nerve, the greatest nerve that you can hit when trying to speak to, connect to, capture the attention of a human being. And it is freedom. Period. Freedom. Escape the nine to five. Free to work where I want to work, when I want to work, how I want to work. It's freedom. Live anywhere. I'm free, baby. I can go live here. Then I can go live there. I can live anywhere. I'm free. There was a great song, Alex, that you got to actually download. Because it's a very little known band called the Soup Dragon. And they had a song, and I believe that the title of the song is Free. Uh, but I listened to it. This is uh, this is like 1991, 92. I started listening to it. And the lyrics are, um, uh, the, the chorus that was just so awesome and I loved it was because I'm free to do what I want any old time. And, and that's just one part of the chorus, but that chorus in that song from the Soup Dragons sums it all up. I'm free to do what I want any old time, right? I'm not constricted by someone else's schedule and someone else's agenda. Oh, woo, get that. Did you hear that? That's freedom. I mean, freedom can be expressed in a lot of different ways. We're not talking politics right now. We're just talking about true fundamental freedom at its base is I'm not constricted by someone else's schedule and someone else's agenda. Soup dragons, they figured it out. So how do we achieve that kind of freedom that Tim Ferriss was writing about, the four-hour work week? Now, to give you the backstory on this very, very briefly, and then we'll dive into what 
what you need to do to truly experience freedom in your profession, freedom in your work, because that's really what I want to own. What he basically did, if you're not familiar with the book, is he was running his own company, and he was just, you know, he'd go on vacation and work 10 hours in a cafe. And he was like, I got to stop this. I can't do this. I'm essentially imprisoning myself. And so he radically changed how he did his business. He, he reduced the amount of clients that he had. He outsourced, outsourced, outsourced. And got to a point where the thing was running on the rails. And he'd answer an email once every couple weeks. Okay, more on that in a moment. So. That's the concept. Gave a few talks on it. And it was all about systems and efficiencies and focus, right? So what should I be focused on? Develop systems to be able to be efficient with the focus. And that's that's my, just wrap it up quickly. Now, how do you achieve more in less time? That's how we set this up at the top top of the show. And I wanted to give you the context for probably the most popular book ever written on this, this idea. But how do you achieve more with less? Okay, first, you must start with clarity for purpose in moving forward. Clarity for purpose. Clarity for purpose. In other words, prioritization. I've got to get clear on what my priorities are to be on purpose, to work on purpose. Prioritization. All right. And now you have to say, okay, in order to be on purpose and work on purpose, what tasks, activities should I be focusing on? personally. So what Ferris did was he removed a lot of the tasks that he was doing in his business and he farmed it out. Okay. So what he essentially did was he delegated it. Now in today's world, you got another option for delegation. It's called automation. So, do I have to do this? Okay, so let's just look at my job for a moment. I can delegate things to the team. Okay? Like editing social media videos. I can delegate uh, producing the show to Alex. But I have to host the show. Okay? Okay? I can delegate things around books, but I got to write my book. I can delegate things around research around a speech I'm giving, but I have to give the speech. So this is that simplification of what do I have to do, okay? So so you eliminate, delegate, automate from there. What most people who figure this out, they do a version of the Pareto Principle, which says, I'm going to spend 80% of my time on the top 20% of my priorities. You don't have to do it that specific, but that's the idea. That's the idea because here's what happens. You get radically clear 
on your priorities. So here's a four-step process for you to achieve more with less time. And I just kind of unpacked it, but I'll give it to you in four words. You ready? Prioritization is the first thing I got to do. Second, I begin the elimination process, eliminating things from my focus and my time. And I'm making the decision here, right? And the way I'm eliminating them from my time is through delegation and automation, right? That's simple. You can get a whole lot more done in a whole lot less time if you'll take the time to really streamline and get radically on purpose for what you're supposed to be doing day in and day out on a professional level. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Thank you so much for being a part of it. If this show is helping you uh, or entertaining you, whatever, I don't care. You're just here, and I'm grateful for it. Uh, I want you to help me spread the word. There's no marketing strategy in the world that touches your word-of-mouth stamp, and I'm asking you to do it. If you're watching on YouTube, would you subscribe to the channel? That helps us grow and get our videos out there. And then, two, would you share a show uh, to someone who you believe needs to, or a clip, uh, or a short, Uh, to someone who you believe will need it. If you're listening via podcast, give us a follow and a five-star review. And also, would you share as well? These are all one-click. Drop in somebody's email or phone number and share, share, share. Uh, And we're growing, and I'm thankful for it. I'm trying to bring more common sense to a world that doesn't have a whole lot of it. All right? All right, next. Uh, Yeah, boy, this this four-day work week thing. I'm not sure what's happening. I'm in this in-between zone where, and I'm going to be very transparent with you folks, the, the the performer in me loves to make a prediction. Because at the end of the day, I really don't mind being wrong. It's kind of like the guy who wants to take the shot at the end of the game. You know, Michael Jordan wanted the ball, and he has famously said, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, Everybody talks about all these game-winning shots I've made, but I've literally missed hundreds and thousands, you know, or thousands of shots at the end of the game. And I kind of want to make a big prediction on this, but but I'm not ready to. And I'm actually today, I've got some new thoughts on this four-day work week, and I'm going to give you the reasons why I think it may not stick. I've been telling you it's coming, and it is. But will it stick and be widely adopted? Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack that today. So here's where we stand. It is gaining popularity. More than 60 companies tried a four-day work week in Britain. And the results at the top, if you just look at a big bumper sticker result, 92% said, we're going to keep doing it. Uh, now, that was in Britain, and I reported on that. A total of 61 British companies with around 2,900 workers were enrolled in the trial, six-month trial, and the employees worked an average of 34 hours across a four-day week between June and December of 2022. They kept their existing salary. At the conclusion of the six-month trial, 56, or 92% of the companies, decided to stick with a four-day work week, and 18 have done so permanently. Okay? But there's nothing that's permanent. 
Now, research from Robert Half, an employment agency, shows that a large majority of U.S. managers, 93%, support a four-day work week for their team. Okay, I need to pause here for a second. 93% of managers support it because they want it. But those 93% of managers aren't going to be able to make that decision. So don't get too hot and bothered. Okay. As you hear a piece of data like that, and you go, honey, you can believe what that Ken Coleman guy said today. He said 93% of leaders in America want a four day work week. Woo! I'm going to get to go hunting a lot this year. Well, I wouldn't jump to that conclusion. By the way, I don't know why that voice I always go to has got to be the redneck guy. But it's kind of, it's easy for me. So I guess I grew up in the South. So if you're a redneck guy and you got offended, I'm not sorry. Uh, Sixty-four percent of managers expect their company to transition to uh, to a four-day work week within the next five years. That is intriguing to me. The number is a lot lower than the ninety-three percent who want it. Sixty-four percent said they expect it. I wonder if that's just they're like me and they're going. Eh, I feel like it's coming. Or if they know something. That's interesting. Some employees enjoyed the change so much, they said keeping the extra day off each week would be more important than a raise. 15% of employees, this is from the British uh, test, 15% of employees said that no amount of money would induce them to return to a five-day schedule. Okay, so those two statements really made me start to go, "Mm, I don't know if this is going to stick in Britain or in the U.S. I don't know, and I'm going to tell you why. Here's the question I have. You can weigh in in the comments. The question I have, which I don't have an answer for, is, is it emotional? Is the positive response from from a, a huge majority of people, employees and leaders, is it emotional? And what I mean by that is a six-month trial of a four-day work week, in my mind, is absolutely the definition of a honeymoon. I mean, come on. I want to see where it ends up in two years. Like a marriage, can it make it past the seven-year itch? See, these are things we don't know. And I think if we're not careful, we see studies like this, and we see these overwhelming numbers come back that it's positive, that productivity was up, burnout was down, retention was up, profitability was up slightly, not a huge number, as I reported on this earlier this week. And I think you see that, and I'm a guy who cares about data. But I'm also a guy who understands the human condition, and humans adapt pretty fast. It's new right now. For six months, people got paid the same salary and only had to work 34 hours a week? That's a freaking honeymoon. I love you so much, baby. You know, that's how these, these kids of puppy love, you know, first three, four, five, six months of the relationship, you can't let go of each other. <laughs> Two years later, they don't even want to be around each other. Come on. I'm just laying it out there. 
So is it sustainable? I look, I I I I'm almost married 25 years. I can tell you with absolute certainty that I love Stacy more today than I did when we first got married, but I can also tell you with equal certainty that we don't act like we did the first 6 months of our marriage or the first 6 months of our relationship. We just don't. Love is deeper, but it's not all the sappy, you know, oh, I can't leave you. I just love the sound of your voice. Now, I tell you something. I love Stacey more than I've ever loved her, but I promise you there are days where she don't like the sound of my voice, Alex. Guys, notice what I did there? I didn't say that I don't like the sound of her voice. Got to be careful. This is dangerous territory. But I think it's legitimate to say that this is a honeymoon phase and it's a test and now the numbers will bear out and it will be very interesting to see if a four-day work week is a sustainable long-term option for work. I will also tell you, as in any strategy, there will be people who can do it successfully. The question will be, how many? Is it a small percentage or will it be a large percentage of companies that can figure out how to do this? It remains to be seen. But now here's where my, here's my hunch, not a prediction. My hunch is, is the four-day work week is adopted sporadically and that it is kept on a very minimal basis. I think a lot of companies will try it and not do it well. A small percentage of companies will do it well. I don't think it's going to be widely adopted. I just don't. I don't think it can sustain. And I think the data we're getting right now shows us we're in a honeymoon. Uh, But I will say for the percentage of companies, I think it'll be a small percentage that will do it well. And I think it'll be because there is high trust and healthy communication. Because here's what I believe, and this has nothing to do with the four-day work week. You show me a company with leaders that have created a high trust, healthy, communicative culture. They can do anything. So it's about high trust, healthy communication. Sadly enough, what we see most of the time is low trust and unhealthy communication, and that'll crumble. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show, helping you get unstuck so that you can become unstoppable in achieving your dreams, making money, and experiencing meaning. This is the dream that everybody has. It's not a wild, far-off fantasy. I'm here to help. 844-747-2577. To that end, I want to make sure you know about my Get Clear career assessment, about a 15- to 18-minute assessment that allows you for the first time in your life to truly get true clarity in three important areas. What you do well is the talent bucket, what work you love to do. That's the passion bucket. And then what results motivate you, get you fired up to get out of bed. Uh, That's the missional bucket. And then it gives you clear results where you're above average, where you're 
average or you're below average. So it's, again, total clarity here. So you're very confident about who you are, what you want to do, and why you want to do it. And uh, then you get a purpose statement with your top results, and it sounds like a wonderful paragraph, and it becomes a compass for you going forward. KenColeman.com slash assessment. KenColeman.com slash assessment. Only 30 bucks. Let's go to Mitch in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mitch, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, Ken. Good to hear from you. Thanks Good for to hear you, call. sir. All right, Mitch. So uh, what do you do? How much do you make? And how long have you been doing it? So I do sales inside, outside for a, a decorative hardware company. So it's mainly cabinet hardware manufacturing. Yeah. Okay. Um, kind what of an account account manager, you know. Yeah. So. What do you What are you making that? Or did you make in that role? Uh, between fifty five and sixty on average. 50. Doing it about a year and a half. Did you go now, to school so. for that? I went to school for business administration. However, I got that degree after I got the job, so it's something I completed later on. Actually, interesting. So. All right. Um. Good. Well, what's yeah. going on today? How can I help? So as of yesterday, in fact, I was laid off from my position. Oh, um, man. I'm sorry. That yeah. sucks. certainly does. I appreciate it. So never been laid off, never been fired in my life. Uh, what happened? Unfortunately, given, well, given the you know, current state of the economy, the, the decorative hardware interior design industry is right. not doing so well. And, sure. uh, you know, I, because I've only been there a year and a half, I was the low man on the totem pole, sure. so to speak, and they, they let me go. So yeah. it wasn't anything I did particular. Um, okay. You know, I was a great, great employee, but sure, it's kind of how it went. Well, so, I, I will uh, tell you that um, I'm glad to hear that because it still sucks and it still hurts. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get these wave of emotions like anger, hurt, confusion, all that stuff. That's very normal and I want you to process that well before you make any big decision. But the, the silver lining here is you're a victim of the slowdown in housing. So there's zero stain, zero shame, yes? Yes, absolutely. All right. So how can I help? Well, um, you know, given these these raw emotions I've been experiencing now for the last day or so, I just I want to know how to, to navigate this properly, so to speak. Because, yeah. you know, the silver lining, I guess, would be, I didn't really care for the job anyway, uh-huh. to be honest with you. Okay. There, there was aspects I did like, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and prior to this position, I was doing optical sales for a number of years, about eight years. So okay. that was just kind of, you know, a doctor's office selling glasses, which wasn't really a career, but I did love that. What do you love about that role and any sales role that you've ever had? I want you to be really specific on what you love about sales. I love creating relationships with people, yeah. trustworthy, long, you know, long lasting relationships and just getting to know people. Um, and, and then selling a product that I believe in and helping them out because, and, and that's exactly what my CEO and my sales manager complimented me on so well was that I walk into a room and I can connect with anybody and, and I'm not afraid to talk to anybody. And I, I love, love that. that. I love that too. I mean, that's, that's yeah. beautiful. So, do you want to stay in sales? Like if I could just wave the old Ken Coleman show pencil in the air, like a wand and go poof, is there a product or service that you personally have interacted with as a customer that you have a deep value connection to that I could go, all right, you're going to go sell that. Well, that's what I've been trying to really think about. And and prior to even being let go of this current role, I was thinking about that for a while. Like, what do I, what do I want to do rather than, 
hardware sales. Because to be honest with you, that didn't excite me. But does it excite um, you the way I set that question up? Imagine you selling a product or service that you personally are a fan of. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay, so let's if Absolutely. I so if I talk to your family and close friends and I said, "What does Mitch get all excited about when it comes to a product or service?" He's an evangelist. What would they say? Well, they would say it's certainly mu- something music related, given I'm a musician outside of my job. Right. Um, you know, I, what's I don't the most exciting? At- what's the most exciting music product or service that you could sell? Forget. I mean, just come on. Let's. Why don't you just dream a little bit for a second? Because there's something underneath this dream. I promise, I'm taking you somewhere. Oh, I know. And, and, and the thing is, I love performing music. I can't I can't imagine selling a guitar or a drum set. Like, I love cars. I could probably see myself selling cars, but is Why, that wait, what wait, I want to wait, 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 30 years? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You're too, you're too busy thinking. You, you didn't answer my question. You started analyzing. You didn't even give me an answer. What's the one musical product that you would be proud and excited to sell? I would say microphones just because... I'm a singer, and and I know how important that that piece of equipment is. Yeah. So why a minute ago did you go? I can't see myself selling something musical because I'm a musician. Why'd you say that? I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. Does it, did you feel? No, no. I'm being serious here. Do you feel like you're some sort of a fraud or a poser, or it's or it can it hurt your credibility as a musician if you're selling some musical equipment? There's something. I think it's pride related. You know, you might be on the right track there. I, I think I'm just so unbelievably lost. Like, I've been running a marathon for the last 20, or not 20, but 15 years, and I'm just like, what do I want to do? And I've, I've done your career assessment. All right. Um, and, and that was, you know, it was it was pretty much spot on with what I already thought. It was, uh, I was created to use my talents of persuasion, imagination, communication to perform my passions of promoting, performing, leading to accomplish my mission of creation. Boom. What do you want to create? Well, I mean, I have this product that I thought of in the last six months that I really think is golden. Uh, everybody I've talked to agrees, and I want to get this thing to the market, and I don't know how to do that. Okay. Who knows how to do that? Well, there is a friend of mine that has built prototypes in the past, and for some reason, we're dragging our feet on this. I, I don't know how to like get the patent and sell the idea or sell the product to a company. I don't want to manufacture it myself and sell it on Amazon. All right, here's what's happening. Here's so. what's happening. Paralysis of analysis. Yes. So I asked you who knows how to do it. You said your friend who's built a prototype. Okay, let's just build the prototype first. So mm-hmm. before we even pursue patent and selling it and all that other stuff, we got to actually prove it, don't we? We do. Can this friend actually build the thing the way you want it to be built? I believe so, yeah. All right, well, no so, not believe so, no so. Okay? I believe that the chair I'm sitting in, before I walked in today, I looked at it, and in that moment, I believed that the chair would hold me. But I didn't know it until I sat down in it. True or false? True. All right, well, let's find out. He may not be the guy, and if he's not, that's okay. Because you both are sitting there going, I don't know, man. You guys are hemming and hawing so much, you ought to write a daggum song. (laughs) Right. Stop. Build the prototype and test it. We're not even talking about scale. We got to test it, Mm -hmm. and then we got to fix it. Okay? 
Mm-hmm. We got to fix it. Okay. And and so that's what I want you to do. Next step is, but before we do any of this, you need to go get you a sales job that's in a very healthy environment, so they value you, and you can get semi excited about the product mm-hmm. or service and go kick some freaking butt, man. And let's go make 75, 80, 90. Let's go make six figures. How about you just go get you a day job in sales where you can make six figures? Because that money is going to help us with the prototype and the testing and the research because you can launch your, your product. No yeah. more excuses, I, Mitch. I agree. Done. You better hear me in your head the next time you him and haw. You got it? I got it. Go get you a six-figure sales job. Stack some money up. Grow slow. Take your time, but put this stinking product out. Let real people touch it, feel it, taste it, use it. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.